Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the No Sports Report a production of iHeartRadio and Treefort Media. My name is Jensen Karp, and I'm a sports fan. Ugh, Drew Brees. I don't know, man. I don't even have that much to say to you right now. White athletes, just don't be stupid. Open your ears and listen to what an entire community needs right now. It's not that hard to just take everything in and realize our friends are in pain. And that's important. Ugh, Drew Brees. I said it twice on purpose. On the other hand, I'm listening to athletes and sports industry professionals about what they're doing right now and how they're feeling during this very weird time in American history, hoping to figure out if they miss competing as much as I miss watching it. This is the No Sports Report. Karima Christmas Kelly is a WNBA player who has worn the Minnesota Lynx jersey for the past two years. She's part of a community and currently living in a state reeling from the tragic murder of George Floyd, a victim of police brutality. The Duke graduate has made many stops in her career, seeing race relations throughout the United States and even spending some time hooping in South Korea. She has a rare point of view and some recent Harvard experience. She's coming off an injury that kept her off the court almost all of last season and now faces the uncertainties of when or if the league is coming back. We talk about her experiences at Minnesota protests, how to define an ally, and why it's important for her to prepare for life after sports. This and much more with Karima Christmas Kelly on a new No Sports Report. Call from Karima Christmas Kelly. To accept, press one. Press- Hello, Karima. Hi. I wanted to start off before we get into uh, this last week's uh, insanity. I wanted to just find out where you've been quarantined and how you've been doing. I've been in Minnesota, um, just kind of awaiting the season and figuring out what we're doing next. Mm-hmm. I've actually been doing PT out here since about January, so I kind of just stuck around to see what we're going to do. And have you been able to work out and, and stay in shape during quarantine? Well, for the most part, you know, every, when everything was shut down, we kind of just did in-home workouts. But about maybe two or three weeks now, I've been able to go to the Mayo Clinic and get some work in, and then our courts have opened up. So this was the first week of actually getting back on the court. And how has that been practice-wise as far as getting close to each other? We, we spoke with a, a Major League Soccer player who explained his practices to us, and it sounded like a science experiment. Right now, it's really just individual workouts with one person controlling your workout and they have their mask on and you can have your mask off, but it's only one one one-on-one in the gym at all times. 
And you're coming off of a, a major surgery and injury. You and your doctors, I'm sure, had a timeline for coming back. Does does this season postponement really affect any of that? Definitely at the beginning, because I mean, literally a day before we got shut down, I was you know supposed to go five on five live and. You know, that was a major part of my rehab process, just going against guys. I mean, we were able to do two-on-two a couple days before everything shut down, but that was probably like a major week coming up of getting more work in and doing kind of more live setting. So um, having to kind of scale back now and kind of transition back into, you know, getting back to when our season will actually start and going back and doing workouts to kind of get in the groove of, you know, when training camp starts and different things like that. Yeah, well, the NBA announced yesterday what appears to be a very creative plan that I'm still trying to figure out for a return to the season in Orlando. Now the WNBA is looking to follow up with some early plans leaked uh, this week for a 22-game season starting July 24th in Florida. That ends in October. Do you feel comfortable with what you're hearing? I do. I think we're still in the talks with different scenarios. So just making sure, you know, players' safety is something that we were always really kind of focused on coming back into this just because a lot of players haven't been able to get into the gym. You know, it's only so much you can do at your home to kind of stay in shape, but basketball shape is a whole other thing. So just trying to figure out how that timeline looks and what kind of ways we can get players back onto the court to actually do work like that to get ready for the season. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to see implemented? Is there something that you're hoping for when you, even when you see the NBA one, uh, sort of their plan? Is there something you deep down are like, that needs to happen? I mean, I think just, you know, having different things in place as far as training rooms, and you know, what do the court look like? Do they have proper padding underneath them? Because if, you know, if they're playing over there, we're going to be in a different place where we're probably going to have to put in a court or it won't be a court that we're used to. So I think just making sure that we have the proper safety protocols in play as far as the pandemic as well, too, just, you know, how we're doing testing and different things like that in order to kind of control the setting that we're in. Right. Well, now the events that unfolded over the past week or so, you play for the Minnesota Lynx. You currently are in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what the mood has been like there? It's it's almost like tension is just in the air. When it first happened, it was just really a shock to everyone and just trying to figure out how did this happen and you know, why did this happen. And being so close to it, it just felt different to me this time. I know we've lost so many lives and we try to wrap our head around, you know, why it keeps happening. But being in the actual area and frequenting the area where you see protests or even where he lost his life has just been really kind of overwhelming with emotions. And I can only imagine, you know, for the, the families of people that have lost their lives, how, how they're feeling. Yeah. And looking over your past, it's like you are uh, originally from, I think, Long Beach in the, in the start and then Texas mm-hmm. and Minnesota. It's almost like you have similar kind of backgrounds as to everyone who's protesting. You've been to all these places and, and you clearly would have a closer connection to George because of those cities. Mm-hmm. I guess, what have you run into during your past as far as racial bias or, or any sort of uh, prejudices? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're pretty much closed in. The environment that we're kind of in, we don't really see too much of it. I think, you know, probably growing up, I saw a little bit more of just, you know, situations when you look back on it and you're like, oh, okay, that happened to me. But you really didn't understand it growing up as a kid. And I think also with us playing overseas, it's been something that we've kind of endured from one place to another. Just being, you know, Americans coming into different countries and just, seeing the way that we're viewed, seeing the way that sometimes we're embraced and sometimes we're not. So I think just seeing this here, it just, it kind of brought you back to reality because, you know, most instances we don't feel like racism is targeted at us initially, but 
then you look back on moments and like, maybe this did happen to me or it did happen to me. And I just don't know, you know, how this happened, you know, right here. Like it's never something that I thought would happen, like where I'm at. Yeah. Um, just because of the people that I'm around, you know, I'm, you know, I'm exposed to a lot of different people, but I've just never had that, that situation that I encounter on that level. And I, I feel for the families that have lost people like this. And we're just trying to figure out how we can make, you know, real change going forward. Cause this this really didn't have to happen. No, and and you you've professionally lived in Washington, Tulsa, Indiana, Dallas, and even South Korea. I believe you played in. What are the unifying threads that you have found in those places in regards to how Black people are looked at and treated differently? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just you know different places that you go. Sometimes it's just a shock to see a Black person walking down the street. I know for sure in Korea, um, you know, the initial thought is that we're always basketball players. Like they always want to figure out you know what team we play for and different things like that. I never really felt anything malicious on that end, but it's definitely you're looked at in a different way. And, you know, you don't really want to feel that way. If you're spending about half of the year or more, you know, living in these countries, you kind of just want to be embraced the way that you hope people are embraced when they come to the U.S. Right. And you've been able to go to some of the demonstrations in Minnesota I saw on your Instagram. What has your experience been like there between hearing on the news that they're so violent and then and then seeing on social media clearly that these are nonviolent protests uh, for the most part? Yeah, for the most part, you know, I went out early on and kind of just you know, took everything in, never really went to the site, you know, where he was murdered. But um, Monday morning, I just got up and I was just like, you know, I, I feel like I need to pay my respects. I need to go there and see what things are like. And I mean, when I tell you I got there and everybody was just, you know, standing in solidarity, um, there was a megaphone with different people just speaking different positive messages to everyone there. So many different races. And I mean, no problems, no issues. So it's disheartening to see in the media that they're really kind of highlighting those moments where there is, you know, violence or looting or different things like that when there are people out there that are really just trying to peacefully protest and stand in solidarity with you know, the black race and just support one another. And I think me going out there just made it, you know, more real and, and brought me back to reality and just, just seeing the amount of people that came out to support and really want to see change come in the near future because we don't want moments like this to just constantly keep happening like it has. After this, more with Karima. Right now, Feeding America is working tirelessly to ensure our most vulnerable populations, like students who are out of school, the elderly, individuals whose jobs are impacted, and low-income families continue to have access to food and other needed resources during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Feeding America Food Bank Network is committed to serving communities and people facing hunger in America, and their greatest need is donations and support of local food banks. This podcast is committed to donating a portion of the proceeds from the show to Feeding America, and we hope that you can join us in this effort too. Find out how you can help at feedingamerica.org backslash COVID-19. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. And now the rest of my chat with the Minnesota Lynx, Karima Christmas Kelly. It's different for me growing up as a, a suburban white kid and and realizing, I mean, I guess I've always known this since Rodney King here in Los Angeles, but it just echoes every time it happens is that in the black community, it would be hard pressed to find someone who hasn't had a run in with the police or someone whose family member or close friend has been in a situation of police brutality. I mean, mm-hmm. do you remember stories? I mean, would it be hard to not come up with one off the top of your head because of being surrounded by the black community? I mean, I think it's hard to not come up with them, you know. Even from an early age, I know a lot of my friends that were kind of targeted for certain things just in high school. So I can only imagine, you know, with us going off to different colleges and pursuing different things, what life has been for other people as well. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people that have lost family members or friends to police brutality. So it definitely is an issue that needs to be fixed. Um, We keep talking about it and something happens, we acknowledge it, we protest, but then it kind of dies down. And I feel like this is one of those times where it's not going to die down until change does happen. And I'm proud to be a part of that and see where we go from here, just trying to be, you know, a voice that can rely messages from certain groups and different things like that. And what were your initial reactions to seeing the the horrific video of George Floyd's murder? I mean, I feel like we've seen these before, but for some reason, this one hit a little different for everybody. Yeah, I mean, obviously, my initial thoughts was just it's just a complete disrespect for human life. There's always the claims of officers fearing for their lives, but clearly this was not the case. And you have three officers kneeling on his body and another one looks on. Mm-hmm. So it's just completely heartbreaking to see that situation and just to see how long, you know, that situation lasted. And you literally hear someone just crying for their life, just for their life to be spared. And it's not in the faces on the officers are just like, nothing's going on. I think that that's what hit a lot of people more so than, you know, others, just because we saw them literally take the life of a person like for almost 10 minutes. Yeah, and we're talking the day after their first sort of arraignment or court appearance, and we've been hearing that two of the police officers were in like their fourth day uh, of patrol. And, and even one of those guys, even witnesses say that, that one of the rookies was like, we should turn them around. You know, like even, I think that 
obviously in the back of those policemen's mind, other than the guy whose knee is in the, uh, choking him out, it felt like everyone knew what was happening, even the you know bystanders with a camera telling him to get off. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think something that we've kind of talked about within our team is just about the the training that goes into being a police officer. You know, when you see different professions and you see how long it takes a person to actually, you know, get into that field, it's not that long for a police officer. And you have to be in a position to train them for every type of situation, whether that's psychologically or physically or, you know, different situations that's going on, because this doesn't look like the training is where it needs to be. Agreed. Yeah. Here in Los Angeles, it's a big uh, sticking point right now that it's 600 hours of training, and that's the same amount that you have in cosmetology school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people are hoping it, it's more along the lines of like a nurse or a lawyer. I, you brought up your teammates. Uh, I wanted to know if you guys have been in contact with each other, obviously, within the Minnesota community altogether. You know, if you guys have been discussing everything on group text or if you've been able to demonstrate together. Yeah, we've probably been able to just more so video calls through Zoom because it's only me and another teammate that are actually in market. So we do a lot of our team stuff via Zoom. But we've definitely had conversations kind of just, you know, as a, a group with players and then a group of players and our staff and coaches. So, I mean, the conversation is definitely happening. We're trying to figure out ways that we can kind of push this forward and what we can do as an organization. I know we've kind of been in connection with the Minnesota Fund, just basically joining forces with them to help pursue justice, equity, and like healing moving forward in the community. But I know the WNB on a larger scale is also trying to figure out ways in which we can kind of, you know, bring about real change. Sure. I, I'm going to be honest. I have visited Minnesota handfuls of time. I, I love it there. I'm blown away with uh, the summers, clearly, over the winters. But I'm also just <laughs> kind of always shocked by how liberal it is. And it's, it's, it is one of the most supportive places I've ever been for LGBT rights. What is the disconnect that I'm having with the police and figuring out that this happened right there? I, I, I always assume it to be such a loving space. Yeah, and I definitely, as a as a person that, you know, came from a different team two years ago, it was always a place where I felt like, you know, I could come in, into this community and you'd be welcome and things would be all right. But that's what we're working towards right now is just trying to figure out what that disconnect is and where we can kind of fill in the gaps. Because, what, four years ago, I think they had another case with Philando Castile where the team was protesting for that as well before I got here. But mm-hmm. You know, it seems like it's something that's still happening. There's major issues with the police department. So I think we definitely have to have conversations and different things, whether it's legislations or laws in place that people are held accountable and situations like this do not keep happening. Right. And and you bring that up a little bit because I remember there were some, some protests on the court. Do you think it's important to have uh, something when you guys get back on the court or the NBA, you know, I just watched the Quibi Donald Sterling documentary where they were, you know, the Clippers wore their jerseys inside out and then put them at half court. I mean, do you think we're going to see these kind of movements when sports come back? Yes, I definitely do. Because I think, you know, our platform is one that a lot of people pay attention to. And I think it is a place where we can, you know, reach a lot of people. So I definitely expect it on the NBA's and in our end and just trying to work towards what that looks like for all of us collectively, or if that's just like on a team basis. Yeah. And I was going to ask you also, when we're thinking about things you can do to, to make a change outside of sports or having a larger social spotlight, 
I want to know because to me, it, sometimes it seems easy. I can rattle off a dozen different pieces of like police reform or social steps that we have to take. And then other times when I wake up, it just feels so heavy and ingrained. Mm-hmm. W- what is it? How do we change these things? What do, what do you see yourself doing even beyond basketball and having a name people know? W- what do you think the small steps are that we can do, especially for the white community? I mean, I think, you know, a lot of things that we've been talking about is just being more knowledgeable in our history in order to figure out ways to bring about real change. Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're still not exposed to or we still didn't know about. And how can we go about, you know, educating others, ourselves, and then figuring out what that next step is? Because everybody's asking, you know, what's next? What can we do? But when we look at it, we're still trying to figure that out ourselves. We know that change needs to come, but we need to figure out what different steps we have to take and what areas we need to target in order to get the ball rolling and then you know, put things in place. Yeah, because we're even talking, you know, a week after the policemen have uh, finally been arrested and, and charged with murder correctly. And, and I don't feel any better. And that, that's a, a, I think the problem is so much bigger than that. I mean, I expect the protest to keep going and I don't feel, uh, I don't feel full for lack of a better word. Yeah, definitely. I think one major issue with us is this accountability, you know, okay, we can arrest these officers, we can put them through a trial, but are they going to be held accountable for what they did and not just, you know, things just fall by the wayside, basically, because that's happened a lot. And then we're in a situation where this could be a pivotal moment to kind of change the narrative and see what things look like going forward, because people are now going to be held accountable and maybe that changes their outlook on the ways that they handle situations. So we're kind of just in a place where this is like that moment where we're going to see what happens. And and you're just kind of holding your breath right now, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction to kind of bring about that same change. Yeah, day by day, I I guess. I I, I recently, Mm -hmm. I hear a lot about the word ally. It's uh, most, it's about not black, especially white people. What do you, how do you define an ally? Yeah, I think... Just being able to share the stories that we have or if we're giving you information that we think is, you know, helpful for you, sharing it with others as well. Because the more information and the more knowledgeable that everyone is as a whole is the better that we can kind of go moving forward. Because it's a lot of, you know, history and a lot of different things that other races aren't, you know, exposed to that we are. And we can kind of help get that narrative out there and, and help them figure out what it is that we go through, how we handle things, and how they can help and assist in those moments as well. You are a graduate of the Crossover into Business program through Harvard. Never heard of it, but I, I guess it's good, <laughs> which is an incredible idea that they've put together. Can you explain it to people? Yeah, they kind of started doing this, I guess, with the NBA and other um, sports leagues initially, and then maybe the last four or five years the WNBA joined in. But it's basically you get paired up with two Harvard Business School classmates and you're going through about, I want to say maybe three months of work where you're kind of just getting different situations, case studies and all that. And you're kind of working together to go through those case studies. But it also helps you in your future endeavors because with me, I got my master's two years ago in sports management, just wanted to get more knowledgeable and get more experience and different things like that. So you're always paired with someone that you know has like thoughts and can kind of help you navigate those different areas of transitioning from a professional athlete to what you're doing after that. So it definitely was a great program. And towards the end of it, you're able to kind of put together a plan for a case study about whatever it is. But you kind of put a plan together and you're doing a final project and you like pitch that project to um, the professor. 
but it, it definitely was a great experience just being able to go on campus, you know, sit in on classes initially my first couple of days there and then working with those students while back at home. And it was, it was a really great experience. And I like that they're, they're extending it out to more groups of athletes and other people as well. Can you explain why making those preparations for beyond your career is important to you? You know, playing sports isn't forever, um, especially with the WNBA. You know, our pay scale is different than a lot of other professional sports. So life after basketball is real. And the the earlier on that you kind of get a head step with that, I think it's better for a lot of us players. So I definitely, you know, wanted to get my master's out the way because the WNBA has a tuition assistant program that they help with um, doing different classes and pursuing your master's or doing internships and different things like that. So it's always something I wanted to take advantage of and was able to, you know, get my master's and then focus on what can I do next and now building those relationships now so that once you are done playing, that transition can be a lot smoother than just trying to figure things out all at once. Yeah. It, it, it seems incredible. I, when I, I hadn't known about it before uh, I read about it with you and I was like, that seems, makes so much sense, especially watching all these athletes create just empires when their career ends. It's like, it, it mm-hmm. it's almost like the, you know, the syllabus is ready for you right there just by watching other athletes and, and then having experts around you. Yes, for sure. So this time is, is one of the worst, I think, I, for me, I, I look at you know the, the history and think this has to be a top fiver. We, we face the pandemic and quarantine, and now we're facing the civil unrest, which we is I don't know hundreds of years in the making. What do you hope comes out of these times when we're when we're back outside, and hopefully some of these uh, these uh, uh, cops get arrested and prosecuted and put behind bars? What do you hope we keep doing even after this this time in history? Yeah, I definitely think we just need to keep pushing the needle. Um, You know, we're dealing with this systemic racism, not just in the U.S., but on a global scale, which is what we can see with the amount of protests around the world. And just seeing how united we are and how, you know, our voices do hold weight. There's been a lot of, you know, minimal changes that have been happening and people being held more accountable just because of the voices of people speaking up. So I think we just need to continue to do that until we figure out what change looks like and when we get that actual change as well. Yeah, well, I, I'm excited to see you back on the court, and uh, I'm excited to see how you guys uh, adapt to it there in Minnesota and, and, and show your solidarity with, with the cause as well. So thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much. The No Sports Report is produced and distributed by Treefort Media. The show is executive produced by Kelly Garner, Lisa Ammerman, Matthew Kugler, and me, Jensen Karp. Tom Monahan is our senior audio engineer and sound supervisor, with production and editing by Jasper Leak. Additional production help from Tim Schauer, June Rosen, and Haley Mandelberg. Our theme music is composed by Spilkus. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please visit feedingamerica.org. If you're able to make a donation, any amount makes a difference, and you can learn more about other ways you can help on their website. For more information on the No Sports Report, links to the socials, and for show transcripts for our hearing-impaired listeners, go to treefort.fm. Be safe and be well. The No Sports Report is a production of iHeartRadio and Treefort Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.